0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. You can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The Role of the Spirit in the Family, Faith Working Through Love. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And just a little way, uh, with just a little bit of review, we're going to get into our new information and we're going to close this out this morning. Uh, We said that being led by the Spirit is one of the most crucial things. It's crucial for the, the believer, period. For a believer, it's crucial that we be led by the Spirit. But particularly when it comes to this topic, being led by the Spirit involves a desire to hear the Word, a desire to obey. So a desire to hear the Word, a readiness to obey the Word, and a sensitivity to discern between your feelings and God's promptings. That is what being led by the Spirit involves. It involves the desire to hear. You cannot hear unless you first have a desire to hear. You put yourself in position to hear. And then as you put yourself in a position to hear from God, You need to have a readiness to obey him, whatever it is that he tells you. You have to have a readiness to obey God's word. And then you have to have a sensitivity. In dealing with people, you have to be sensitive to the spirit of God. In in your own uh, um, um, day-to-day activity, when you are wanting to hear from God about what you should do in any situation, what you should say in any situation, it's important that you be sensitive to discern between your feelings and God's promptings. Because sometimes we can um, respond out of our feelings and the Spirit of God had nothing to do with it. Even if the Spirit of God prompted you to not say something, you might say something. If the Spirit of God prompts you to say something and you don't say something, right? So that we're talking about a readiness to hear. Um, a willingness to hear, a desire to hear, a readiness to obey, and then sensitivity to discern between your feelings and God's promptings. But that is most crucial in this type of situation where we're talking about being married to an unbeliever. Being married to an unbeliever. That is so crucial that... that, that um, Definition, or not necessarily definition, but that those pieces that I gave you when it comes to being led by the Spirit, it's very important that we um, do that, particularly again in this in this topic. The only objective that we have in this is to help you navigate as a believer. How do you navigate being married to an unbeliever? How do you navigate as a believer? How do you navigate being married to someone who does not necessarily uh, yield themselves to the Spirit of God? They might be saved, but they may not yield themselves in every capacity, in every area of their life to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Or or they... Um, they just lack that, right? They lack that. Um, so they haven't yielded themselves totally. They, they don't, they're not desiring necessarily to live their lives under the constraints and under the restraints of, of God's word, under the constraints and the boundaries of God's word. They're not, they're, they, they, they're not there. They're not there. And so how do you navigate? As a believer, how do you navigate, uh, that, navigate that? And that's what we have been barking up on. Those are some do, there are some do's and some don'ts in that, in how you navigate that type of relationship. There are do's and don'ts, and we're going to get through all of those today. So number one, we said, um, what, so what are the do's? What are the do's? No, let's go with the don'ts. Let's go with the don'ts first. That's what we started with. What don't you do as a believer trying to navigate a marriage to an unbeliever? What don't you do? First, you don't seek to be free. That was number one. You do not seek to be free. Why don't you seek to be free? And I should have prompted you in this. If you you need a pen today, uh, if, if you had not been taking notes, you're going to need a pen today and some paper. So why don't you seek to be free? Why? Number one, because the blessing of the believing spouse extends to the other person and the children. We read that. Let's let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Start reading at verse 10. And unto the married I command ye not I. But the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. But to the rest, God didn't say this necessarily, Jesus didn't speak this, but I believe I have the Spirit of God. This is what Paul is saying. But to the rest, I speak not, I speak, to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother... Hath a wife, this is a believer, if any brother that's a believer hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away, and the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her let let her not leave him for the unbelieving husband. Is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. but if the unbelieving depart, let him depart; a brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. for what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband, or how thou or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save. Thy wife. And so here is a scripture that we have been uh, um, digging into. And so, number one, so do not seek to be set free from that marriage. We saw that. Do not seek to be set free as Jesus had commanded. Don't seek to be set free from that marriage. Okay, and so number one, why? And that is found in verse 14. For the blessing of uh, the blessing of the believing spouse extends to the other and the children. The believing spouse should not leave because God regards that marriage as sanctified. He regards that marriage as sanctified. So we talked about how. So so you should not seek to be free. And, the, and the, the husband or the, that marriage is sanctified by the believing spouse. And how? They're sanctified because the unbelieving spouse and the children are in a special situation. They're in a special situation because they are exposed to God's word. They are exposed to God's work. They are exposed to God's purpose daily when they live with a believer. So the object is and the goal is is that the believer, the believer should be so in tune with God because they are walking as a believer. They're walking as a believer, and so the, the 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 spouse and the children they're getting the benefit. They're getting the benefit. As a believer, there are certain things we should be doing. As a believer, there are certain things that we should not be doing. And so the children and the spouse, they are exposed to these things daily. A believer, they should should worship God. They should bow down. Every area of their life should be bowed down to the Lord, should be yielded to the Lord. The children are exposed to that. The the spouse is exposed to that. As a believer, we should be attending church regularly. As a believer, we should be listening for the voice of God. We should be obeying the voice of God. And again, your children and your spouse—they are there. I told you, like globe seat or, 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 or globe trotter or, or season pass holders. That's what they are because they are there. They are seeing it day by day. They are seeing the work of God in your life day by day. day day. They should be. They should see a difference in your life as you live your life for Christ. You are a light and you are salt. You are the preserver of God in that marriage. You are the preserver of God's word in that marriage. You are the preserver. You are able to preserve as you are salt. You are preserving... Tie this into what you're hearing on, on Wednesday nights and have been hearing on Wednesday nights. You are preserving God, in a sense, in that marriage. Because they are the only God that, you, that they can see. You are the only God. As a believer, you are the only God that they may be able to see. And they are that close to it. You are the light. You are a light in the dark places in your spouse's life. And there's, they, they are in darkness. That's the bottom line. So remember I told you that we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but we are wrestling against principalities. We're wrestling against the rulers of the darkness. That's what we're wrestling against. And that's just darkness. You're not fighting against your husband. You're not fighting against your wife. That's not, you're not fighting against them. It's the darkness that we're having to deal with. It's the darkness. But you are a light. You should be a light. As the believer, you should be that light. That is how that marriage is sanctified. Because you are able to preserve as salt. And you are able to bring light into that dark place. So, number one, you should not uh, choose. You should not seek to be free. You should not. Because God Number two, wants to fulfill his work through you and in your present circumstance. We looked at that in Ephesians chapter 2. For the sake of time, I won't go there. But Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about us being the workmanship of Christ. So remember that God has worked a work in you. He has worked on you so that he can work through you for good works. He has worked in you. He has worked on you. So that he can now work through you to good works. What is the good work? The good work is that you are now a light in a dark place. The good work is, now, is, now, is that you are now salt to be a preserver of his word. So he has worked a good work into, in you so that you can produce good works. Being that salt, being that light, being that preserver. Bring that place of light in that dark place, in those dark places. So that's another reason why. That's number two. Why shouldn't you seek to be out of that marriage? So remember, remember that. The good work is, can I be quiet when it's time? I mean, uh, The good work is, can I be quiet when God says to be quiet? That's a good work. You're doing a good work in Christ as the spirit of the living God is working through you. Can I... Be quiet when God says to be quiet. When he tells me to be silent, can I? If I can, that's a good work. Can I speak up when God is telling me to speak up? That's a good work. A good work through the Holy Spirit. Remember, all of this, we should be led by the Holy Spirit in all of this. In all of this. And as we yield our bodies, we can do the good works and the righteous works of God as he works through us. Another good word, Can, I cannot ignore the needs of my spouse. That's a good word. Why? Because you have responsibilities. As a wife, as a husband, you have, cannot ignore the needs of your spouse. That's God working through you. <laughs> That's God working through you. You cannot ignore their needs as your spouse. You cannot go along with unrighteousness and unholiness. That's doing a good work. You're a preserver of God and His Word. You are a preserver of God, His Word, the Spirit of God in that marriage. You are a preserver. Preserving means you cannot go along with unrighteousness and unholiness. You cannot. You cannot hide your worship. You cannot hide. That's a good work. My worship to God, that's a good work. I cannot hide... My worship to God. Me yielding myself to God. I cannot ignore that. Then we looked at Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5. And we won't go again for the sake of time. But God will work a work in your days. You have to believe that. That God will work a work in your days. He said to behold, I will work a work. We have to have that expectation. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But we have to have that expectation. So, number one, what shouldn't you do? You shouldn't seek to be free. Number two, do not have unrealistic expectations from an unsaved, unbelieving spouse. <laughs> this is a good one. You cannot have unrealistic expectations from someone who is not saved. I don't care if it's spouse or not. You cannot have unrealistic expectations from an unsaved unbelieving spouse. No more than you can have unexpected, uh, uh, no more than you should have unrealistic expectations for anyone who is not saved. You cannot be the Holy Spirit. You You cannot and you will not be able to change the heart of a man. Any man. Whether it's your spouse or someone else. You cannot and you will not be able to change the heart of your spouse. The heart is the place of lasting change. That's the place of lasting change. Now, they can change some behavior. Temporarily, they can change some behavior. But eventually, what is believed in the heart will eventually come out even in the actions and the behavior. So they can, content, they can temporarily change something. They can temporarily start going to church because you keep hounding them about it. They can temporarily uh, pretend to pray. They can temporarily do all of those things. They can temporarily start attending the, the men's fellowship or the women of covenant fellowship. <laughs> They can do all of those things. Those are temporary. And, 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 see, this is how silly and how foolish we are. We look at those things and then we say, Oh, praise God. Oh, after you done hounded him. Oh, praise God. He didn't start going to church. Oh, praise God. He didn't start going to men of integrity. Oh, praise God. She didn't start going to, to, to women of covenant. Temporary things. But we have to look at the heart of men. God looks at the heart of men. And again, you just wait a little while. You wait a little while. And when they think that you are appeased, they think that you're okay, they're gonna go back to doing the same things that they have been doing. Because it's not a lasting change. They've only done it temporarily so that they can keep you quiet. Wanting to appease you. The behavior of a man, the behavior of a man. An eternal change only takes place in the heart. And God is the only one that can change the heart of man. God is the only one that can change the heart of man. So, I said unrealistic expectations. Don't think that your spouse can bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. You can't expect it. You have to be saved. You have to have given your life to Christ. Allow Christ to live in your heart so that you can have the fruit of the spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit is, is produced by the spirit of the living God in your heart. So an unbelieving spouse cannot produce the fruits of the spirit. <laughs> the unbelieving spouse cannot be necessarily. The fruit of the spirit. The the, the unbelieving spouse cannot be forgiving. You can't expect it. (laughs) It's hard enough for a believer to forgive sometimes. So you definitely cannot have the expectation of an unsaved person to forgive those little things that you do. Those little things that you say. You cannot have that expectation. They cannot produce the works of the Spirit. They cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit. They can't be long-suffering. You can't expect it. Again, it's hard enough. It's challenging enough for a believer to do it sometimes. So we cannot have that expectation that someone who is not saved, we cannot have that expectation. You can have it, but it's going to be unrealistic. And you're going to have some miserable miserable days for the rest of that marriage. You will continue to be miserable. Another thing. You cannot expect your spouse to accept Christ because you have accepted him. Remember I said, one of you might have, have accepted him and the other have not. Because you are saved and have received salvation, have accepted Christ, does not necessarily mean that your spouse will ever. It doesn't mean they will ever. Or it could mean that just not now. But you cannot have that expectation or, or, or try to mandate by your actions, by your words, by your deeds, try to mandate that they be changed. Try to mandate that they accept Christ. Again, you will see some behaviors, could possibly see some temporary behaviors, but it's nothing that's going to be everlasting. Nothing that is going to be everlasting. So don't reject under that. Letter A, don't reject. Do not reject. Hate them that reject Christ. Remember that they are not rejecting you. And I know that that's difficult. Because we can, We sometimes we tie in their love for us. We tie that in to their acceptance of Christ. Oh, get that. Hold on to that. Sometimes we tie their love for us to their acceptance of Christ. What do you mean by that? That means if we are trying to minister to them or we're trying to and we want them we're desiring to get them saved and they do not we take it personally we take it personally especially with people in our homes we take it personally and it's nothing personal it's personal to you because you have a desire to see your home operate a certain way it's 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 it's, it's personal to you because you again have some some things that you're trying to or you would like to see in place that are not in place, going to church together, praying together, whatever the case is whatever whatever in your mind whatever in your mind you have conjured up as you know, this is a family who, who is under God. This is what we do. You know, whatever, whatever, you, whatever fantasy, whatever thing you have conjured up in your mind, whatever your perfect marriage is in Christ, you've worked that in your mind, you've conjured that up, and so now you are tying that in to his salvation or her salvation. But understand this. They married you. They married you. They married you because they loved you. They were not thinking about Christ. They were not thinking about salvation. They married you because they married you because they loved you. So, just because, so, 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 that was then. Now it's nothing different. Although you have accepted Christ, it's still no different. They married you for you, they didn't marry you for Christ. Don't tie that in together. They are not rejecting you, don't get that twisted. See, I'm hoping that we can help you to separate. Let's separate. Let's separate the two. That will also help you be the woman, the woman, the wife, the husband that you need to be in that marriage. Doing the things, taking responsibility for the marriage as you should as a husband or as a wife. That, hopefully that will help you separate that responsibility from them being saved. Catch that. Hold on to that. Because again, these are things that will help your marriage. If you were to grab hold of that, these are things that will help your marriage. These are things that will not hinder the work of Christ. Why? Because it says that the unbelieving spouse. Shall be sanctified. And the unbelieving spouse, it says a woman, that unbelieving husband, by your conversation, just by your conversation. And your conversation is not just what you speak, it's how you walk. That conversation that you have. So that's why you cannot reject and cannot ignore the responsibilities of a spouse. Because that, that in itself will minister. It will minister to your spouse. That in itself can minister to your spouse. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8. 1 Samuel chapter 8. And let's look at verse 7. 1 Samuel 8 and 7. And the scripture reads, And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. So there it is. They're not rejecting you. They're only rejecting the reign of the Lord over their lives. That's what they're rejecting. It's not rejection to you. And I said again that you cannot expect, so A and B, you cannot expect your spouse to bear the fruit And to produce the fruit of the Spirit. So those are two things. What shouldn't I do? I should not be seeking. I should not seek to be free from that marriage. And I should not have an unrealistic expectation. Okay, so what should I do? What should I do? One, you need to focus on God's expectations of you. I'm going to give you both and then we're going to chase them down. In the, in the time that I have left. Number one, what should I do? I should focus on God's expectations of me as a believer. And number two, <laughs> number two, see, there's a, there's a, we always talk about uh, uh, the twins, mercy and grace. You need that too, mercy and grace. But to that, in this particular situation, there's a, there's a quadruple here, a quadruple babies. We should have prayer and patience, the so two piece, prayer and patience. What shouldn't I do? I should not seek because I can sanctify that marriage. And there's a special place. I'm in a special place to be salt and life. What shouldn't I do? I should not have unrealistic expectations, understanding and realizing that I'm not the Spirit of God. And it is only the Spirit of God that can change the heart of man. I should not be, uh, expect that they should be able to bear the fruit of the Spirit. But what should I do? I should focus on God's expectations of me. And I should have Prayer. And I should be praying. And I should be patient. So, focusing on God's expectations of me. I need to, A, concentrate on having the conduct worthy of the gospel. A, have a conduct worthy of the gospel. B, I need to be an example. I need to be an example of how a believer loves. How a believer speaks, how a believer walks in faith, how a believer lives in purity. I need to be an example. I need to be an example. Let us see. I need to be consistent in obedience to God. Remember, these are this is what God my focus, my focus, what God is expecting of me. I need to a concentrate on having the conduct worthy of the gospel. That's God's expectation. I need to be an example of how a believer loves, speaks, walks in faith and lives in purity. That's God's expectation of me as a believer in this situation. And I should be consistent In obedience to God. That is God's expectation of me. In this situation. Philippians chapter 1. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1. We're going to chase this down. Concentrating on having the conduct worthy of the gospel. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. Only let... Your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, that I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now this is talking about two or more. We're talking about the churches of Philippi. But this also... Is in relation to you as a believer, period. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come, I see you, or else I be absent, I may hear of your affairs. I may see, I may hear of how you are uh, establishing, how you are being the salt and the light in that marriage. We may see it. God will see it. So I need to concentrate on having that conduct worthy of the gospel. I can't speak one way and live another. I can't speak one way and live another. I can't say that I'm being led by the Spirit of God and not allow myself to be led by the Spirit of God. I can't speak up when God is telling me to be silent and be silent when God is telling me to speak up. I have to yield myself to the Spirit of God. First Timothy chapter four. We are not going to go there just because well, yes, we will. First Timothy chapter four. Being an example. First Timothy chapter four. I need to be an example. four and twelve. Let no man despise thy youth. Let no man despise thy position. Let no man despise thy position in a marriage. <laughs> but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. There you have it. There it is. Let us see. I need to be consistent in obedience to God. Be consistent In obedience to God. Look at First Peter, Chapter Three. First Peter, Chapter Three, and let's look at verse. Let's just start reading 1 Peter 3. Likewise, verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, an unbeliever, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward Adorning of plaiting and uh, plaiting of hair and of the uh, wearing of gold or putting on apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit. That is of the spirit of the living God. Let it not be hidden, the man of the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the armament the ornament of, a, of a weak, a meek and a quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. That conversation. The believing wife must submit. This is saying, it says, likewise, be under subjection to your own husband. That means you need to submit to your own husband. Submit to your own husband. Yes, I am still talking about being married to an unbelieving spouse. You have to submit to your own husbands. You cannot go off and do your own thing, even if it re- even as it relates to spiritual things, without consulting your spouse. Oh, they're not going to understand. They're not going to understand that I need. To, I know tithing is, is something that, that I believe that is in the scripture of God that God wants me to do. I'm just going to do it. No, you first need to talk to him, consult with him. Why? Because he is your spouse. And you have to subject yourself, subjection, you have to arrange yourself under your husband. Arrange yourself under your husband. You have to restrain yourself under that spouse, believing or not. But, (laughs) see we we got those buts in the Bible. But. You are under the authority of God. Here we go. I subject myself. I arrange myself under my spouse. But I'm under the authority of God. That means that I cannot disobey God. We have to be balanced in this. I cannot do things that are contrary to the word God. And to the spirit of the living God. I subject myself to my husband. I arrange myself under my husband. But my authority... Now, there's delegated authority in the home. But the authority... Your spouse, your husband is a delegated authority. But the authority has power over the delegated authority... And so although I arrange myself, and I arrange myself under my spouse that delegated authority in the home according to the word of God, I am still under the authority, the ultimate authority of God. I cannot allow, remember I said, you do not um, reject, you do not compromise your faith. You do not compromise the Word of God. You do not compromise the Spirit of the living God in obeying the Spirit of the living God for anything. Not for a spouse, not for a child, not for anybody. You do not, not for a job. You do not compromise yourself because you are under, as a believer, you are under the authority of God. Your life is not your own, but you are to be led by God. Even in this situation but that's a contrary see that means contrary There's some, this is supposed to happen but contrary if it does not then this is what's supposed to happen I am not supposed to I cannot. My conversation, my walk of life, my behavior, my conduct, I must be an example of the faith in my love, in my caring, in my duties, in my responsibilities as a wife, as a husband. I have to, that's part of my conversation. It says that the conversation of the wife, the chaste conversation of the wife, it can win, coupled with fear. It can win over the heart of that spouse. And that can go either way. A husband, a believing husband, and an unbelieving wife, and a believing wife, and an unbelieving husband. It can go either way. Your conversation, your walk of life. What did I say that conversation is? My conversation is my walk, my manner of life, my behavior, my conduct. Why? Because I am supposed to be living the life of Christ. My conduct and my character should speak to To be a reflection of Christ. Christ's conduct and his character. He was not going to shun his responsibilities. He was not going to do that. He operated and he thought God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He was functioning out of love with us before we were lovable. And that's the character and the conduct that we should have as a believer. Period. Period. No ifs, ands, or buts. Period. Our meekness is our power under constraint. You can do something. You can say something, but you choose not to. That's God's expectation of me as a believer. Being consistent in obedience to God. And D, share my faith at times presented by God. I need to share my faith at times presented by God. Turn to Proverbs chapter 15. Quickly, Proverbs chapter 15 and look at verse 23, 15 and 23. And the scripture reads, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth when he's yielded to God. And a word spoken in due season, how good it is. That means I need to yield to God. I need to hear from Him when it's time to speak. Or when it's not time to speak. Because a word in season, <laughs> not in your timing, but a word in season. That's why you've got to be yielded to God. God may tell you, no, this is not the time. God may say, oh yeah, this is exactly the time. But it has to be a word in due season. Not in your season, but in God's season. And it will bring you joy. It said that. It's going to bring you joy. (laughs) The words out of your mouth will bring you joy. When it's a word in season. Being led by the Spirit of God. The Lord has given me a tongue. Isaiah 50. Isaiah 50. Look at this real quick. I am loving this. God, you know, God, He does not, He's not going to leave us, nor does He forsake us, but He gives us. If we would just obey, remember, (laughs) being led by the Spirit, that we just need to yield. Be ready to hear what God has to say and be ready to obey. 50 and verse 4. 50 and verse 4. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season. To him that is weary, he wakeneth morning by morning. He wakeneth my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God hath opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. See, this is God. This is God's being a word in season. I am not going to. I have learned. See, this is wisdom. We're talking about wisdom. Women, you want wisdom? Listen, you want wisdom. Seek the Lord. Be led by the Spirit of the living God. Man, you want wisdom in this situation. Be quiet. Pray. Seek God. And be willing, be ready to obey whatever it is that God is telling you. Don't rebel against what he's telling you. And do your own thing. Ignore the Spirit of the living God and do your own thing. It says in verse 4 that the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak in a word, speak a word in season to him that is weary. Listen, God gives us opportunities. He he gives opportunities for that. When is the opportunity? Number 1. Write it down. When your spouse is appreciative of an attitude or behavior that exemplifies God. When you're showing forth those good works that you're doing and they can appreciate, you do something and they can appreciate what you have done. They say, "Oh, honey, that, you know, I'm so glad. Thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for that." That's an opportunity right there. As you exemplify God's work in, in your life and in that marriage, that's an opportunity. And, all, and you know what? And all you have to say is that God is good. God is faithful. <laughs> you know, there was a time when I wouldn't have done that for you. But God is faithful. God has changed and he has worked on me. God is faithful. You remember there was a time when I wouldn't have done that for you. Put him in remembering. You don't have to preach a sermon. You put it right there. You just lay that down right there and then you just walk away. Just lay it down right there and just walk away. You planted a seed or you watered one. You planted a seed or you watered one. When your spouse is struggling with emptiness in his or her own life, that's a time right there. When they're experiencing difficulties in a relationship, whether it's on a job, you know, with their boss or, you know, with their, uh, with their parent or with their children or with their friend or with their cousin or somebody. When they're experiencing some emptiness or struggling with an experience, a relational difficulty in their life, that's a time right there. God is presenting a time right there. And again, no sermon. You don't need to do no sermons. No sermon. Remember, everything that you hear here is not for someone who is not here. It's for you. So don't go. Don't ever try to go home and every Sunday you're trying to go home and you're trying to preach that same sermon that you. It's not for. You can't expect that they can live in that. So you're telling them that because you want them to change and do and do that work. They can't do. The only word that they're going to be able to hear right now is repent. That's the only word that they're going to be able to hear. And that's the only thing that they're going to be able to do. That unbelieving spouse. Don't, we're not talking about preaching. We're talking about utilizing. We're talking about taking advantage of the opportunities that God presents. So when they're having that relational situation, that's a time. And don't lecture. I did not get a chance to get to prayer and patience. But understand that prayer... Is the most powerful weapon that you can have. Not against your spouse, but prayer is a powerful weapon to get God to move in on your behalf. But you have to couple that with patience. And patience is the most powerful skill that you can have. <laughs> patience is a skill. The most powerful skill that you can have is patience, and that is the ability to use your knowledge effectively. And readily in execution or performance. And I got to use it readily. I got to be patient. My understanding of the Word of God, I have to use it patiently. My understanding of how God works, I have to use it patiently. Prayer and patience that's what God expects of you as a believer in that situation.